How do the local, regional and global dimensions articulate in both communication scholarship and communication careers? About this and many other important topics is this conversation with Juan La Rosa in this new episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Bochkowski. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamad bin Khalif Al-Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Facundo Suenzo, a doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx and Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Estas son nuestras historias. Esas son nuestras historias. Welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I am delighted to have with me Juan La Rosa Fuentes. Juan is associate professor in the Department of Sociocultural Studies at ITESO in Guadalajara, Mexico. He's also coordinator of the ETIUS Communication and Culture Observatory and member of the National Research System in Mexico. Juan obtained his BA at ITESO University, where he's now a professor, with a focus on communication sciences. Then did a master's degree in communication at Universidad de Guadalajara, and his PhD at Temple University in Philadelphia, where he graduated in 2017 with a dissertation that won not one, but two awards from the American Political Science Association. And recently, Juan has been named a rising scholar uh, uh, by Temple University, his alma mater, and received an award from there. He's a very prolific writer uh, who has published more than a dozen journal articles, one book, one editing volume, and dozens um, of book chapters. So, Juan, welcome to El Café Latinx. Hi, Pablo, and hi to everyone who is listening to us. Thank you very much for this invitation. We are delighted to have you here, my friend. So tell us, how did it all begin? That is, how was the start of the journey that led you to become a professor? Well, I mean, the first part was about, uh, it's all about communication. So um, uh, I, I started studying communication here at Iteso University uh, a little bit more than 20 years ago. Uh, but at first, I was uh, more into journalism. So uh, I studied communication that's, and then started to, um, to, to work as a journalist uh, for several years. However, um, the, my career as a journalist never uh, got into, into, into a bright place. Uh, it was a time where there were not a lot of local media here, and uh, I was hesitant to go to uh, other places in Mexico. So uh, I started to work first at NGOs in the departments of communications, you're doing more uh, social work. And in the meantime, I started uh, some, one of my professors here invited me to, 
to start teaching at ITESO, and I started teaching uh, communication theory. And suddenly I started uh, this academic career that led me to, to, to then go to uh, the University of Guadalajara and then to Temple University. And, um, and now I'm full time just uh, teaching and doing research. And uh, it was a journey that, that began as a journalist first. Really interesting. So it's the journey of a storyteller in part. And a exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, so you are um, going back into the classroom um, now at, as a teacher at ITESO. Um, how was that transition to um, getting a master's at the University of Guadalajara? And why uh, that master's program? And why Guadalajara? Well, it was very, that, that's an interesting question. When I was, um, uh, when I started to work here at, at ITESO as uh, just teaching, um, I was with other, other people from here, uh, one of the founders of uh, Media Observatory here. So <clears throat> we started doing a lot of uh, research uh, about uh, local media and local journalism and I was, I was uh, very happy with that. And I was working a lot, um, but I started noticing that every time that I applied to, to tenure, uh, I was just uh, rejected because I was not uh, competitive enough. And in that time, I had to say that I was very naive, but I used to think that, well, I, I don't need any, any other training for doing research. I'm doing fine now and I'm doing old, all my research here at the university, but because of, of these re rejections for, for getting tenure, uh, people start telling me, well, you're not getting tenure because you don't have the enough uh, qualifications in, in, in the sense of having a master's and then a, a PhD. And then I say, oh, well, I really like this world of, of the University of Academia. So um, I, I must start thinking of, of doing this that I don't think it's necessary, but they are, they are asking me. Um, so I started like 12 years after I graduated from, uh, uh, from, from the bachelor's degree. I was not that young. And, um, and I wanted to go outside of Mexico, but uh, the easiest way to, to start doing that was to, to begin uh, again studying here in, in, in Mexico. So um, I decided the uh, University of Guadalajara because that university is a, a public university here in Mexico is the second largest university, but also I think it's a very prolific, prolific hub of, um, of communication scholars. There are a lot of people there with, with, with a lot of uh, experience, uh, trajectory. Uh, some of my professors uh, have more than 30, 40 years uh, teaching and doing research. Uh, so I found a really interesting program there uh, especially for studying communication, for studying uh, media studies. Um, and, and, and then it was a great time that I spent there at, at the University of Guadalajara. And of course, I learned that uh, I was, I was uh, it was a mistake to think that uh, I, I didn't need more training uh, for that. I, I start to understand how to do professional research. Uh, and, uh, and I learned about the uh, difficulties and uh, all the artisanal work that entails doing research. So 
it changed my mind in many ways. Very interesting. And then, so you're finishing your degree at the University of Guadalajara, your graduate program, and you decide that you had already decided that you wanted to go overseas for a doctorate. Um, why the US? Why Temple? Did you consider other countries? Did you consider other universities? Yes. Yes, of course. I consider, consider many other uh, universities and, and other countries. Here, some of my professors told me that uh, a good spot for studying could be Brazil, uh, also uh, could be uh, the UK, uh, maybe the Netherlands. Um, but um, when I when I decided that I want to go out, the first uh, thing that you start learning is uh, where do you want to go. But then the second part is that who is going to pay for that, <laughs> which is not. Which is sometimes is the most important thing. So um, I started to to look of, about my options, and I had this friend of mine who who was a, a Fulbright scholar. And uh, talking with her, I realized that that was one of the the better funded paths to go outside, uh, because if I decided to go to other countries with only my own funding and with some of the funding that uh, Mexico offered me, uh, it could be a very precarious life. So um, I was already married and uh, I, I didn't want to be like uh, in, 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 in a bad spot during uh, my, my, my study. So I applied to, the, uh, to Fulbright. I also applied to many other places. Um, but at the end, I, I got the scholarship, uh, the Fulbright scholarship, and, uh, and, 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 and that's a very generous program because they not only give you the funding or part of the funding, but they also help you to navigate in the very complicated uh, university system in, in the US, which is not similar to Mexico. It's, it's bigger and it has different rules and different values. Um, so they help you to uh, to write all these papers that you need to submit during the process and uh, and to make different applications. And they ask you to submit to six or seven programs. Um, and, uh, and and at the end, uh, the, the the universities and the programs that uh, um, that admitted me, the the one that I liked the most because of the program also the city was. Uh, Temple, which is located in Philadelphia. Um, I didn't want to go to to smaller cities or to other places, so it was it was a a, a very interesting combination that led me <coughs> um, that I that I ended in in Philly, and I really don't regret any of that decision because uh, it was um, one of the best experiences of my life. Wonderful. So. So let's talk about that experience. So um, do you remember how it was when you first started um, getting acclimated to a new country, to a new city, to a new university system, in part to a new language? Uh, how was the process and how did it um, change over time? What were the major challenges that you faced during graduate school and, and how did you cope with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember very vividly uh, since it was a very interesting uh, time, 
well, first of all, we, uh, uh, my wife and I love the city. Uh, very soon we realized that we were able to, to make a living there. Um, we've, we found a very nice place near to the university, but also near to Center City, uh, where we had we spent the next five years uh, having a good time. Um, for me, it was very, uh, it was very challenging to get there. Uh, I, I think it, it's um, one of the most challenging things was um, um, speaking and writing in English. Uh, uh, that was, was that was truly a challenge for me. Although I, I have I passed all the exams and 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 I had most of my life learning English. It it, it was not. Uh, the same of, as, as being there. And, um, and I experienced what many people from outside and especially Latinos experience in, in the US, which is uh, in, even this meme, I think from, uh, from this actress Longoria, which says that I am much smarter when I'm writing and speaking in Spanish than in English. So at, at the beginning I was like, sometimes it was frustrating because I was not able to communicate exactly what I was uh, uh, thinking. And, and also writing was a challenge. I remember maybe the first 18 months I spent almost three or four times a day uh, in the writing center because I, I really needed to improve my writing. But the good news was that uh, the university offered me all these uh, tools for uh, acquiring the, the, the level to to speak and to write and to to understand, and um, uh, sooner or later I I, I got uh, in the rhythm. And honestly, the the all the the classes that I took there, many of the professors that I work with there, uh, they they really opened my mind in in many ways. I, I was able to take classes in uh, political science, also in philosophy. Uh, and many of the things that I'm doing now and, and the ways uh, I think now uh, come from that uh, experience. Uh, it was a very rigorous uh, training and um, I met uh, very, very good friends. And I would say that the, the, one of the most important things is that my, my daughter, Maria, who, who now is seven years old, she was born there. So uh, it was also very, um, very important for me that that experience and 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 being there uh, because of of the experience of becoming uh, a dad. Wonderful. So, how did you manage uh, since you opened up this issue? How did you manage the sort of work personal life balance? Um, you know, raising a child and pursuing PhD. By 2015, I'm guessing, looking at your vita, that you were already started with your dissertation or about to get started with your dissertation, right? Which is very intense uh, period. So how did you manage that, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, I, I, um, I went to Philly in, uh, with, my, uh, with my wife, Lupita, and uh, fortunately, because of also because of the Fulbright program, she was able to very soon find a job, and she was uh, working there. 
And when we got married, we had the idea of uh, having um, a kid, having uh, children. Um, and suddenly we realized that we were approaching to the 40s because we were not in, I, I was not in my 20s when I was uh, studying the PhD. I arrived at 36, 37 years old there. Uh, I was not that young. So it was like, if we're gonna need, if, if we wanted a baby now, we need to do it now or maybe in one or two years, but we cannot uh, wait that long. And, um, and, and a very important thing that I learned during the PhD is that uh, the academic career is very demanding. And uh, most of us who work as uh, scholars were devoted to work. But at the same time, when you, when you um, witness uh, the people who, uh, who, who are in, like in, in the big leagues uh, working as scholars and who are only devoted to work, the outcome I'm not gonna qualify that the outcome, but I, I, I soon realized that I, I, don't, I don't want it to be like that, that I wanted to be uh, someone who, who likes the work and who puts uh, a lot of things in the work, I mean, a lot of energy, but that the work is not only um, the only thing of life. So um, Maria, who is my, my daughter, was a constant reminder that it's, uh, there's life outside academia and uh, we're humans and, and, and we really need to, well, I, I wanna speak just for myself, but I really need to, to do many other things that are not only related to dissertations and articles and, and chapters. So uh, it, was, it was a real challenge and it was fun. I remember that she was born um, the semester before I started my comms. And uh, I told Lupita, my wife, like, oh, I'm gonna stop, uh, I, I will just finish my classes. I, I don't have any other coursework and, and I have a, 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 my scholarship. So uh, while I will, I will be studying, I can take care of the baby while you go to work. Uh, and ha ha ha, that, that was not the case. Like I, a baby is like a full-time work and suddenly my parents had to go to Philly and help me to, uh, to be with Maria and we had to, hire a nanny, but at the same time, I spent many time of, of many hours of the day with her. And, um, and I'm proud of that. And um, it was a really good time. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, I know that you also have kids, uh, they start to grow up and um, very slowly, they start to depend less uh, on you and, and, and life uh, just goes on. So uh, that was a, a very interesting experience. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, so glad to hear uh, that, you know, things really worked out for you. So, so you, you have your combs, you have your child, your baby. Um, she's becoming a toddler. You are working on your dissertation. How did you pick a dissertation topic? Well, that's, that's also an interesting story. I, I arrived at the U.S. Uh, with a project of mapping uh, the media system in Mexico. And, um, and, and, and it's a very different program, the PhD in the US and in Mexico. And when I arrived with my advisor the first semester and give her the, the project, she, she told me, look, just forget about that. You're gonna have to just study the next two years. And, and in two years, we're gonna start talking again about what you 
what you want. So obviously after two years, I changed my main mind in many things. Um, uh, I was uh, in, in the field or in the intersection of journalism studies and political communication. Um, and um, I, I started to, to think what I wanna do. So uh, in Mexico, I've uh, done a lot of research on, on elections. And uh, I decided that I wanted to do something about that topic in my dissertation. And it was precisely in the moment when, um, when the 2016 election in the US was just in the run up. Uh, and, and suddenly I realized, realized that many of the public discussions during the election was about immigrants and specifically about Latinos. And um, I just thought that it was gonna be a good idea to do a research on the US elections and that I have the advantage of um, uh, knowing how to speak and read in Spanish and that I, it, was, it was gonna be a little bit, uh, it was gonna be easy for me to just uh, learn about this community in the US and uh, when I decided that that was a topic, I was reading um, the newsletter from Miteso that they were interviewing uh, Jorge Silva, what that moment happened to be uh, the comms director for Hillary Clinton. So I decided like, okay, here is the connection I wanna make. And then I decided that I wanted to research the Clinton's uh, uh, Latino campaign and at the end, I was never able to work with Jorge uh, because of, of many reasons, but that opened me the field to, 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 to make the study. And, that, and uh, that's how I decided to, uh, to research on that during my, my dissertation. Interesting. And so you have a very timely dissertation um, that subsequently wins two awards from American Political Science Association. Um, you're wrapping up. Um, did you consider staying in the US? Did you always wanted to go back to Mexico? Did you consider going to Europe? Um, what was your thinking in terms of, you know, next phase of your career? Yes, well, um, I was, when I, when I finished the, the PhD, I was very tired. Uh, and I just wanted to have uh, uh, some peaceful time. We, from the beginning, we had the idea to return to Mexico because of two things. The first was a very practical issue that uh, uh, because of the Fulbright uh, sponsorship, I had like, I don't know, three or four years that I was not able to live in the US. So, <clears throat> I learned that there were ways of uh, twisting the system, uh, which was a little bit expensive because you have to hire lawyers and uh, all those kind of things. And I was very, very tired, especially about that. All the immigration processes, I all the time I was like needing to just uh, renew my visa and uh, the papers didn't arrive. That was very stressful during the five years that I was living there. And although I was, I'm very grateful because I, I had like very good funding and I had, as I told you, very good experience. That was like the great zone, that right? it was like very, very stressful. And when we thought about like saying, hey, uh, we want to leave this again, like hire lawyers and like running from here to there and like 
uh, moving from another city and say, no, we, we don't want that. So um, we think, okay, we thought, okay, maybe we return to Mexico and then maybe we can think about uh, returning. But the other thing is that um, uh, as, as a couple and as a family, we always thought that uh, Mexico has many challenges and like uh, we, in a humble way, we want to contribute to our country uh, to improve in, in, in any way possible um, in, in the way we, we can contribute to doing a research or teaching my, uh, my wife, but now also is a professor. So that's what, uh, why we uh, return here, but with the idea of also having a, a, a more cosmopolitan life. So uh, we would like to move, maybe not definitely, uh, maybe to Europe or maybe to the U.S. in the near future, but more in, I don't know, in, in, in periods of one or two years as a visiting professor and, and um, returning to Mexico. So that's uh, how we think now, but uh, maybe we can change. I don't know. Okay. So, but you, you did think straight about going to return uh, yes. to Mexico. Um, why ITESO? And how, how is to return now for the second time as professor to a place where you were a student before? Yeah, well, the a third reason that we wanted to, to return to Mexico was because our parents, uh, and our parents were just uh, not that young. So uh, we wanted to spend time with them. So um, it was not, uh, it was like a straightforward decision to return to Guadalajara. So when I was still in the US, I was hired by the University of Guadalajara. Uh, I started uh, working when I was still in the US. And then I returned here uh, working uh, in, in, in that university. Uh, but suddenly uh, from Iteso, they, they called me and said like, we have this uh, position uh, it, it had a better, um, it, a better salary uh, and, and better uh, conditions. So for me, it was a no-brainer in the sense of uh, it, it was the best position for me. Um, and, and so I returned to the to university. And I'm very happy in the sense that uh, here are my teachers and now some of them are retiring and it's like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, taking care of, uh, of the business here uh, in many ways. And, uh, and, and it's a very nice place to work. Um, I have friends here. So um, it, it has been very, very nice to return to this university. Very interesting. So, so you describe how being at Temple, being in the US, um, you know, shaped your dissertation program, right? Um, in terms of, um, you know, the topic, the access, etc. How would you say being back at it in Guadalajara in general, but in ITESO in particular, has influenced, if at all, this new phase, right? Your first phase as, you know, post-PhD of your research program in terms of the topics that you study, how you go about studying them, challenges you confront, opportunities you have, et cetera? Well, um, I think it's, a, uh, it, it's an interesting question. I think 
a big opportunity that uh, that was um, that opened for me to to study in the U.S. And actually, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to go outside of Mexico. Is um, that uh, when I started studying my masters, I soon realized that um, there was I don't know if if it's a correct term such as a global academy uh, in the sense of or or a global scholarship uh, where um, where many people from different parts of the world it's, it's still very concentrated in some countries uh, that 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 work together uh, and and that global community is growing and growing and growing although it, it's small but when you um, when you are in those kind of universities or in those kind of environments, you realize that you can be part of that community, not only from the US or from Europe, but from other parts. So um, I think that uh, an, an, an interesting opportunity of now being at ITESO is uh, thinking as how can, can I contribute to my university here in local terms uh, with, with uh, the students here, with my colleagues, but how can I also work as a global scholar from uh, Guadalajara? And what are uh, uh, all these elements that I can share and I can contribute from here to the, to the global uh, scholarship? Um, another thing is that studying at Temple and broadly in the US also opened me um, uh, these stages like ICA or NCA or other uh, um, scholar um, places or spaces where, uh, where I can be in touch with other scholars and also in, in those places to learn where the current global debates about communication and uh, sometimes cultural studies, media studies, and I think that uh, in that sense, I, I like to be this kind of bridge between those global discussions and uh, with uh, my local department and with my local colleagues, colleagues here. Um, challenges, I would say that, although it's, it's, it's very diluted now, in Mexico, we still have these, uh, this idea of, um, uh, it, it's a very complicated relation of being a country that it's just uh, uh, near to the to the U.S. that it's uh, uh, in in the border with the U.S. So, in some ways, previous generations are very critical about the U.S. Um, and sometimes some colleagues are like very hesitant about like, oh well, but you studied in the U.S. but and so you're not a critical scholar or you are duped by. Uh, functionalist uh, ideas or theories. And I say, well, no, that's not true. Uh, it's a very diverse thing there. Uh, that there are many things that we can criticize of the, about the US um, um, university system and scholars, but uh, there are many other good ways. So in a way, sometimes some colleagues are trying to uh, Latin Americanize me and, uh, and, and that is, Interesting in a way because I'm I'm open to to yeah yeah uh, discuss and and think uh, uh, what they are telling me but at the end and, and the other way is like hey I'm I'm Mexican I'm not 
German or whatever. Uh, I, I, I was born in Latin America and I, I have been living here most of my life. Uh, so that's a challenge of, of having that, that background. But I mean, not, it's not that bad. <laughs> Very interesting. So you're actually taking me seamlessly to a what was going to be my next question. So you have described the articulation of the local and the global, right? Um, you go to the US, you develop your networks, you realize that there is a global right uh, academy or global uh, circulation of scholarly ideas. You go back to Guadalajara, you want to contribute and be part of that. But there is a layer in between the local and the global, which is the regional. And you just said that um, some of your colleagues want to Latin Americanize you, right? Um, how would you characterize the state of, you know, the scholarship on communication and media studies in Latin America? Yeah, well, I think it's, um... I am observing like uh, uh, a change, a general, general, um, a generation change. I mean, I think that many of our professors or the people that taught us, and the, one of some of the main figures in Latin America, are um, uh, are starting to be not that present as they were. In, in previous generations, uh, not in a bad way, but they're like just changing uh, things. And we are, I think that we are experiencing an unequal, I would say, because it's not the same Chile and Mexico or Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, it's, it's happening in different uh, paces. Um, but new generations of, of scholars that are um, blending, uh, many of the things that are happening at the local level with the global level. And they're like proposing in this uh, middle level that you are describing. And uh, I think that it's those kind of works, careers and generations are like um, in, the first, in their first years. Um, and I am very optimistic that uh, in the next decades, these generations where I, I think I'm, I'm included will we'll have very um, innovative uh, uh, production around communication scholarship. And I, I'm, I'm uh, watching and learning how many of this scholarship is growing uh, in journalism, in political communication, in media studies, uh, very, uh, interesting uh, ethnographic approaches to communication and also um, bringing the idea of Latin America as, um, as an object of study which is not tropicalized and which is, uh, it has its own relevance to be looked in other places of the world. So um, I think that we're very in a very interesting time of, 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 of learning uh, how all of this is growing. Very interesting. So, so following up on that, how do you think scholarship in the region and about the region 
is perceived, is understood, is valued um, outside of the region, primarily in the US and Western Europe, but also in other parts of the world, Asia, Africa, Southeast Asia, etc. Yeah, I mean, there is still like many of uh, the historical and hegemonic views about Latin America, uh, which are very monolithical and opportunistic, I would say that uh, um, that appear every time that some turmoil uh, occurs in the region <clears throat> or that something important to the global north uh, happen uh, to, to, to bring the tension uh, to these uh, global discussions. Um, there is still, um, especially in the US, I think, uh, well, I have to say like this idea that as, as an object of study, as a community, Latin America or Latinos are not like in the, in the highest level of attention. Um, uh, I remember while being in, in the US and, and that I didn't like it, that many people tell me like, wow, you have a very good um, career opportunity of being the expert on Latinos. And I was like, that's not what I wanna be. I want to study communication and, and, and that's it, not specifically Latinos. I, I happen to study Latinos because uh, I, I saw a, a, a research problem there that it was worth it to study. But some of these uh, visions are still in play. But at the same time, I am, I am watching that many, many of the scholars and many of their work, uh, little by little, are being taken more seriously in, in the global discussions and in the global uh, north and even the region as an object of study of saying like, hey, um, Latin America is valuable not only because it's folklore or it's uh, geographic location. There are many things that are happening here that are the world to study. And there are many ideas that people from here, local researchers are having that can uh, be worth for other kind of discussions. And this happens a lot uh, uh, with a topic that I study, um, for example, with uh, all this hype with the disinformation and propaganda uh, that, that they're talking in, in the US and Europe. And uh, we were talking in the la last ICA with, with many of you guys from other parts of Latin America. Let's say, hey, in Latin America, we have this from 50 years ago and we have many research about that. And honestly, we're not frightened about that because what we're, you are experiencing, we are already experienced that. So why don't you learn Spanish and start reading the papers with the books or maybe we can translate it to you. But there's a lot of valuable work there and, and I think that many people are understanding that and they're looking into that kind of ideas and research. Uh, so that kind of shift is, uh, uh, it's very interesting for me. <clears throat> okay, very interesting. So, so then that's great, another great segue into my final question. Then if you had magical powers and could be granted one wish about <laughs> how you would like the field of communication or media studies to change? What would you wish for? I would like, I would wish to have more relevance as a field 
and scholars. And this is directly re related to, to the, my research that I'm doing uh, on COVID. Um, one of the things that led me to, to start thinking, to study uh, the pandemic and communication was that uh, during the presentation, I said that the government didn't listen to other scientists and technicians and doctors. Um, but at least many of these uh, people who were into science and health, they were um, communicating their ideas through their own groups and their own fields. I mean, you, you were able to read the opinions of um, from, uh, from doctors and scientists in the newspapers or in Twitter or Facebook or in TV criticizing the government, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, but they were giving their ideas and they were saying like, we as, 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 as professionals uh, <clears throat> were saying that, that this could be better or they, the, these decisions can be improved by doing this or that. And uh, I, was, I was very surprised about the lack of discussion about communication during uh, a, a crisis as, as, as the COVID-19. And, um, and, and as I think about communication, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a practice that it could be a matter of life and death. And it's, it's very important during a crisis like this. And I was saying like, where are, where are my colleagues of, of health come um, uh, uh, speaking loudly and in the public sphere about what's happening? Where, where are they discussing that? And, and then uh, I turn my, ears and my eyes to other countries. Uh, I remember people from the UK saying the same, people from the US saying the same, that there is, there is a lack of presence of communication scholars discussing much of, of much of these things uh, in a time that when we have a lot of information and, and a lot of knowledge that we could share uh, to have a better society, to improve uh, what we're dealing with uh, in this case with the pandemic, but, but with many other things. So uh, my wish would be that we could have a stronger and public voice um, as, as scholars and as a field. And I, and, and I don't mean by that of, of, of returning to these engage uh, uh, intellectual as, as the French scholars of, of, of the middle of, of the 20th century uh, or uh, these big figures that we have to lead, but a group of people that really are able to organize and share the knowledge and the information that they have produced in order to uh, help or to improve social problems. All right. Thank you very much, Juan. That is an excellent idea. Thank you to all our listeners. Uh, for staying with us through the end. And I invite everybody to join us uh, in the next episode of El Café Latinx. Thanks uh, again, Juan. This was superb. Thank you so much, Pablo, Facundo, and, and all the staff at Northwestern. Uh, thanks so much. You're welcome. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I'm Pablo Wojcicki, the host, and I'm joined by executive producer Facundo Swenson.